0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: I'm the man who has the ball. I'm the man who can throw it faster than. So that is why I am better than everyone in the world. You've reached the end of set number three. All right. Welcome to another episode of Tigers Radio Pod, whatever you want to call it. As uh, we continue to, we're not going to change the music until next year because. Halfway through, the old one had Tigers SRD, so representing New Change. I'm Rojel, and is Chris Brown and Youper. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Heart Media, and Sixler. And we are proud partners of the Media, Minute Media Podcast Network. So, uh, coming up today, we're going to be talking about the Tigers changes in the front office. We're going to be talking a little bit about the minor leagues as well, as uh, Spencer troubleson did another outstanding... Thing this week with uh, multi home run games, so we'll get to that as well. And congratulations to the Taylor Little League World Champions as they had their parade today. As they came home, not too far from my house, actually, about uh, five ten minutes away. And great for the, this area over here in metropolitan Detroit. So John River, who gets a bad rep on radio shows for some strange reason, it, people you know Taylor, Tucky, yeah yeah blah 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 whatever. <laughs> can't can't say that anymore because they're the best team. United States. So props to them. And they played some fundamentally sound baseball. Some some baseball have seen better than some minor league balls, minor league games, if I should say. So but uh it was a tough win over Ohio and there you go. And then Ohio tip of the cap to them, how they paid respect to the team after the game with a little bit of the just kind of saluting them and everything. And so good sportsmanship. And that's what I like to see. So but uh, gentlemen, how are you guys doing tonight? Not bad over here.
0: We're all set here at the Iowa Broadcast Studio, the Western Outpost for MCB.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, You're the furthest west of us uh, out here. So, but yeah. The uh, By the way, if you have not, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Tigers Radio. And, again, anything just goes a long way. We're supposed to be heading out to Red Rapids tomorrow and go see the Whitecaps play. So, we're going to do that. And among other things, we have planned for the offseason. So it's already September. It's already crazy. And it's already cider season, which I have not been to a cider in a long time. So, But let's get down to it a little bit. There's a lot of things that have happened this week that pertain to not only baseball, or excuse me, not only to the, the team itself, the, the players on the field, but some front office changes. And some of them caught us off guard. And I'll start with you, Chris, because this week, some of the changes involved that The Tigers on Tuesday announced that Sam Mezen, Jay Satori, 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 um, Mezzin and Satori were promoted vice president, assistant general manager, and Kenny Graham takes over as the player personnel. Um, But assistant David Chad, assistant general manager David Chad, is shifting his focus to player development. Um, He's going to be around the minor league affiliates and what have you. And then David Littlefield is taking a special job of scouting, so, Madison uh, has served as director of baseball operations, professional scouting for the last four seasons, and for Jay, he has been spent the last six seasons as the team's senior director of baseball analytics and operations. So, in other words, <laughs> the old regime—the yeah. old regime—seems to be starting to get sweeped out a little bit. As I tried to do a really weird sweep motion, and I don't know what the hell that was, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of fascinating because because when we looked at
2: it, we've talked about this like. You know, for years, it seemed like, you know, Vila was supposedly bringing in, uh, you know, modern analytics and bringing things up to speed. But it always seemed like the top brass was still old school scouting guys, Littlefield, Chad, Avila. And then uh, just kind of fascinating for this to happen right now. It, It. you know, they didn't make a big deal out of it. You know, they just announced it. But it does sort of give you the feeling of things roiling <laughs> underneath the surface there. It's like something's going on for this to happen just right now. Oh. Um, and, you know, the, the Jeff Moss, the bomb thrower uh, who is, is never scared of <laughs> putting out rumors uh, or utter BS, basically said that uh, that A.J. Hinch can't stand Alavila. And this is part of that. Apparently, I guess the idea being that AJ Hinch just somehow now has a direct line to Chris Illich and is is basically running the show from behind Avila. Oh, I don't think it's. Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I, I don't get the feeling that it's quite that sinister. I think Avila kind of knows which way the wind is blowing, and it's something we've discussed before about Al- Avila is a survivor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Dave Dombrowski was his mentor and friend, and Al Avila uh, knew that Dombrowski was being fired and didn't say anything for however many days and, and took over for him. Uh, and, and that doesn't necessarily make him a bad person. I think a lot of people would do the same thing with faced with the chance of getting basically their dream job. You know, you're like, oh, you know, we'll probably be friends again someday. I'll take this job. But, but now we've seen that happen, and we've seen Littlefield and Chad, who he's been with. I mean, what Chad's been there since 2005, 2006. Yeah, fifteen years of basically being his right hand man, and he's just like, ah, <laughs> "See you later." So it's, it's, and it, it's, it's. I don't, you know, we don't have direct knowledge of this, and I don't have direct, uh, you know, a history of of contract law or how baseball front offices work. But it, it feels like the sort of thing where, like, guys don't really get fired in a front office. GM can get fired. We've seen it happen. But usually, what happens is, and I don't know if it's because like they've got things in their contract that you can't, you have to fire them for cause, or they might, you know, there's buyouts or whatever. But they just kind of get reassigned, and and they're they're off to baseball Siberia now. We're like, yeah, you go around and you you watch some baseball, uh, and we'll let the the smart guys handle everything. So, it, yeah, it does. I, I'm kind of rambling here, but it's it, it 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 was kind of a seismic <laughs> shift on a random late August day.
0: It really was. It, it, you know, it caught everybody by surprise. There wasn't even any kind of uh, rumbling about it uh, in the days prior. I think that it's as far as they could go at this time of year. Um, this, with the team somewhat on the upswing this year, as, at least in the eyes of many, it's been hard to broom everybody out. Um, plus, I think they probably like these young guys. Uh, so they've promoted them to a spot of power. Uh, and influence. And I think it does have Hinch's handwriting hand on it in some respects uh, because he's probably not the old school guy that, you know, Littlefield and those folks are. So uh, it just kind of makes sense uh, to get the whole organization kind of on the same plane, moving in the same direction. Uh, so there's less push and pull uh, between factions like that. So uh, we're. It, it, <laughs> Also, you know, it's very rare that they would bring in a new general manager and and saddle him with a uh, seated manager. You know, they usually get their own guy at some point. So that would be kind of awkward for Hinch. So Avila stays, he brings up the young guys, and, you know, hopefully they're moving forward. And we'll see just how analytical they get.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Hinch was quoted in the press saying, "I'm I'm very, very happy with the promotions. They've done the work long before they're getting the recognition. For both Sam and Jay, they've been on the forefront. They're now just being titled correctly, end quote.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, if that's something right there. Plus, you know, Hinch has been kind of all of a sudden out of nowhere, just like, you don't want to face us, kind of doing the rah-rah speech, and every Tiger fan is just like, you know, they, they're just pumped and just getting crazy, and we – I mean, it's just like some of, some of the stuff here is what he's been able to do with this roster. You know, it's just it – just- Crazy of a of he rallied the tiger. He rallied tiger fans, and I think it's just kind of like putting the writing on the wall. That I mean, Jeff Moss usually he says stuff with with depending. I mean, and, and I know a lot of people don't like Jeff Moss. So that being said, there's some degree of accuracy, accuracy for it, but it's also kind of the right. It's kind of right there. If you look at the pieces of how everything's been laid out in the press. Avila's been kind of quieter than normal. I mean, he does say things. I mean, he did say, are we going to spend some offseason? Yeah, a little bit, of course, but it's going to be player development. But at the same time, I don't really – you look at Agent Hinge. it's a firm – it's his team. It's, it's, it's him. You're either with us or you're against us. And, I mean, he's the Warriors going through Harlem on a subway. <laughs> just all those teams, you know, like just – well, you know, Tigers come on, play. It's just that's how it is right now because they've just been able to capitalize on this. And so I think AJ Hinch right now is driving, is in the driver's seat right now with the way things are going, right? Even with the loss today. That was a tweet that I thought that was, that crystallized it perfectly. I think it was Mark that said this. Mark Gurash, Tigers under Ron Garner lost the game 14 to 3. But they came back. They it makes it entertaining because like you, if you're like if I was at the office today, for example, and I'm looking and I get the alerts and I'm listening to the game on the radio and I had radio turn off for a little bit. I look at the alerts and I'm like, wow, it's already it's eight to six.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's never out of a game. So,
0: well, and the, the bullpen's better too. I mean, they they kept the 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 dregs of the bullpen of the garden higher days would
1: also have made that 14 to three, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And with the same guys though, but it's, it's the federal difference too. What are you gonna say, Chris? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, there, there were
2: a couple aspects of, of all this. I, I think you're right, Roger, when you're saying that, that Hinch is basically, He's a really smart guy, I think, and I, I don't think that's a shocker to anybody, but not just smart, but savvy and knows how to use the media to to his advantage. And I think he's been essentially using the bully pulpit of having the the I don't know if it's a requirement to comment after every single game, whereas Al Avila will come out and say something, I don't know, once a month. Hinch has been able to move the narrative and push things forward and get things going his way by being able to talk every single day. And he's using that. He's not just going out there and going through the motions. And we, you know, he's been on various TV shows and stuff like that. I don't know how much of that is, you know, in his contract or up to him, but he's, yeah. I mean, I I think he's, he's kind of reshaping this entire organization from the managerial spot, which is almost like a super old school thing. Like, you know, it used to be the manager had all the power mm-hmm. and then it kind of in the last decade or so, it's become kind of, you know, more the front office, the smart analytics guys, but it's almost backwards for the tigers who were like, yeah, they were just so far behind. Now they had to get the forward thinking manager and reverse engineer it. Uh but there, there are two things that I kind of like to like to throw on my head here. One of them, I, I like the idea. I doubt this happened, but I like the idea of before the season, them splitting up and saying, "Okay, here's the the old school scout guys. You guys pick some free agents, we'll sign them, and then we'll let the analytics guys pick some free agents and we'll sign them, and we'll see who does better." <laughs> and the reason I like that is when I think of Nomar Mazzara and Jose Urania and Wilson Ramos, I think of those as guys who like scouts wanted, mm-hmm. you know, look, oh, Mazar, he could hit the hell out of the ball. And you, nobody, they're not looking at the data to see he hits it on the ground all the time. Or Urania, he throws really hard, doesn't miss any bats. Uh, meanwhile, Robbie Grossman is a guy like, oh, he's only hitting 220, but he provides all this other value. It just, it's its like this stark difference in the guys they signed this offseason. So I, I kind of like that idea, even though I don't think it happened. Um, and the, the last thing I'll say is, the one thing that kind of concerns me about this is the draft was like six weeks ago. How much did Littlefield and Chad have to say about the draft? Like how? Like, well, I, I mean, we 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 think that, but at the same time, we've talked before. Jackson Job is, is Jackson Job an analytics pick? A kid from the Heartland who a high school pitcher from the Heartland.
1: <laughs> like David Chad goes all the time. Yeah,
2: yeah, it feels like it. Like, it, and we know when they're at the top pick. That's going to be, you know, the whole whole team working on that. But it, it doesn't feel like, to me, it doesn't feel like the the sort of pick that the analytics guys would have been championing. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I mean, like, Bo Burrows and Matt Manning have already exceeded what you expect from most high school pitchers, and that's disturbing in some degree, because Bo Burroughs is just getting constantly pummeled in, in, in triple and in the majors and Matt Manning is having trouble, but that's like a positive outcome for all high school pitchers in the first round. So, uh, yeah. And I just think of like, you know, the, the lack of success with second rounders in the recent years and even, like we talked about before, like, I don't, I don't want to denigrate Isaac Pacheco. It's very early in his pro career, but, but I have a lot of concerns about him and about that profile. <laughs> uh, you know, as like, I think he's, I think he's going to get enormous. He's already what six four two twenty five or something like that. He's yep. barely eighteen years old. He is uh, he's striking out at a forty percent clip in rookie ball right now. I just I just think that in like three four years he's going to look and and perform like Ray Rivera, and uh, that's my fear. Hopefully they can work things out there, but it's just yeah, it's not a profile that I terribly uh, I, I like. So I don't know. I, I just worry that these guys had like one last draft in them <laughs> before they got shoot <laughs> off, and it's gonna it's gonna be a real bummer. So. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, keep, if go things go well, it'll be their last top five pick for a while, too, so yeah, at least we hope. I mean, I look at somebody like, for example, Austin Murr, who we saw last week in Lansing, and he's kind of like, he went up against one of the best prospects in the A system. It, the high A A's pitching was not that good, except for, what was the gentleman's name? I, I totally don't to blank out his name right now. He just got promoted to double A. They have Colin Palouse. Who, yeah, Colin Palouse. Yeah, Colin Palouse. Uh, That's yeah. who he was facing and it was like Colin Palooza, Colin Palooza, Kyle Palooza. Kyle Palooza <laughs> was like a nine 11 pitch at bat. And he battled them all the way through before I think he flied out to the right or something like that. But then Murrows put up some good at bat. So this is a six round draft pick out of the, the North Carolina state, which or NC state, which the Tigers have been drafting out of that area quite a bit. We saw with Packard and uh, Defridge and what, what have you. So, but this was, that was a good start to, for me that's seen that kind of progress out of a six-round draft pick. I mean, of course, he's an advanced hitter, kind of like a little older, but still to get from rookie ball to Lakeland to West Michigan in a month, and we've seen that with Colt Keith, who's starting to pick it up a little bit now in, in, for, the, for the Whitecaps, that's progress. And that that right there, that Colt Keith pick is probably the beginning of what those the younger guys were representing because the Tigers were always kind of – Except for, I and mean, even with Derek Hill, Derek Hill was an exception to the rule. Who will look at the Derek Hill because there's going to be a Derek Hill segment today because <laughs> guy has been on fire. But they're the way they've been drafting before. The Tigers have struck out and missed in the draft since the 80s in high school from high school kids. And so the mm-hmm. C Cole Keefe, it's I got like, again, this sounds weird for me to say this, but it's kind of a phenomenon in the sense because the Tigers have not, it's been. Since the 70s. Since the 70s. If I'm being serious <laughs> yeah. about high school kids, not college kids, high school kids that have been playing at a high level up in the in the high minors right now. I mean Riley Green right now is going to uh, Riley Green is going to possibly one of the greatest high school. Well, yeah, Nick Okay, well, yeah, no, you're right about Nicasianos. Fair enough. But
2: He's oh. doing that elsewhere. Though. <laughs> but, I had the comments. I I wasn't able to see the comments, so I'm like, huh, what?
1: Oh, no, I saw I the comment where it says, "Well, what about Nick?" Yeah, and he, he's right to a certain extent. Be that as it may, I'll tell Nick Castellanos. I should say, pardon my pardon mm-hmm. me for being ignorant on that, but even then, Castellanos is not around anymore, and it's just you look Ooh. at the swings and misses. So it's it's bad. I mean, until Castellanos, there's a lot of swings and misses. But anyway.
0: Travis Fryman was 1987. I didn't, I was, I don't know why I thought it was a little. Was he in college
1: though? Or is he, I thought he was a college kid.
0: No, amateur draft from Gonzalez Tate High School. Oh, I don't think he was in college. No, no, it's on baseball reference right now.
1: Oh, all right. Well, I'm wrong again. I thought, I thought Fryman. well, still, even, well, actually, that's that's still technically right because it's been almost, it's almost 40. (laughs) Yeah, they
2: really haven't even tried. (laughs) they really haven't even tried that much in the last uh, 10 or 12 years they got you know daniel fields in the 5th round there was uh, oh boy they, they they would do it with like it seemed like they would only do it in like the, the 12th to 20th round there were some random like brett harrison these these random dudes who wouldn't make it out of or like austin shot which i think is third or fourth rounder that you I know they
1: yeah, that's good one.
2: yeah they just uh, i don't know but like you bring up mur it this just it this feels probably disingenuous to say this, but there are like you look at the draft and you feel like, okay, that was an analytics pick. Okay, that was a scouting pick. Like like I feel like uh Jordan, – who is is it Sparks? I forgot his name. The kid from you know, South Carolina upstate or whatever, feels like an analytics pick. Austin Murphy was oh, like an analytics okay. pick. Yeah. Um But then you got guys like uh I don't know, like, like Cole Hep feels kind of like – and he's got an interesting stuff, but he feels like a scouting pick. He's like, oh, it's a guy who throws really hard. <laughs> the a sinker? It's like, all right, let's do it. Uh, but again, like this is just me being uh, – like I'm sure that there's a lot more that goes into it. It just it, – it, it felt from the outside and these moves make it seem like there was kind of two teams in one there in the front office and they're, they're trying to finally, uh, you know, unify yeah. a little bit.
1: I mean, even like you talk about the draft real quick too. All the pitchers have one thing in common. Some of the later draft picks, you're talking like uh, Aaron uh, Aaron Haas out of Wichita State, and even, I think it was uh, R.J. Pettit. They have high spin rates on some of their off-speed stuff. So a lot of them, there's a sort of theme that he picked up on in the later part of the draft that seems to be more analytical in that sense.
2: Yeah, and I think, uh, who was it, Jack Anderson? I think he made his debut today.
1: Oh, did he? Nice. I believe so. And Mike hmm. uh, Roddenberg, out of Duke, the catcher out of Duke, is off to a really good start with Lakeland. He had a home run the other day is, uh Tiger minor league tracker Kean and, of course, Jerry are down there. And they're getting some good, much-needed coverage because I, I, I've i not seen a lot of Lakeland in quite a long time. And so, outside of the occasional Carlos Guzman appearance that Chipman would post up on Twitter or what have you, um, mm-hmm. Lakeland looks have been kind of slim. But, uh, yep. at any rate, yo, let's, uh, let's move on and let's – go right into, kind of, a, before we get to the segments, I want to talk about a little bit about the news, the Mets, being the Mets, and <laughs> just... Uh,
2: I figured that would be somebody's ugly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not going to go into it, um, we're not going to go into it too much, but it's just what I saw today was kind of, to me, one of the most annoyingest things of all time, and I really, this is something that just annoys the crap out of me, and that's nepotism. Nepotism is a thing that runs... Ramp it all the time. You see it in any industry, what have you, and Sandy Ellison's son is going to be t- reporting right to right to him as... We'll get to the rest of that stuff later. So now, uh, we're going to... By the way, uh, just for everybody who's watching the show for the first time, or new on YouTube. So right now, we're going to go inside the numbers, then we'll go to our Good, Bad, and Ugly. So if you have a Good, Bad, and Ugly... And we did get a question from Walter on the... Uh, who's going on the forty man for the Rule 5? And the people that we absolutely need to hold on to so just want to explain that before we go uh, any further It's time for little Helio and Chris to go inside the numbers Bye. all right Youper, you're up on inside numbers what is your inside the number this week
0: okay now this week I was uh, reading up on some stuff about the CBA and a few things and I found these numbers 10 12 and 14 okay here's what they are uh, since the new century, since the year 2000, NBA, 10 champions, different champions, 10 teams. NFL has 12 different teams who've won the championship. MLB, 14 teams who've won a World Series uh, since the, uh, the century started. We hear so often about competitive balance and we want to do this because a couple of weeks ago, I remember we were talking about the salary floor when MLB offered that up as kind of a starting point, uh, the $100,000 ceiling and the or $100 million ceiling or a floor and $180 million ceiling. And really, I think we just need to stop talking about it as a competitive balance. It's all about the owners spending less money. That's all they want. I think uh, we've been so conditioned by the media and everything else. Uh, I was reading something great by Joe Sheehan today. Just to believe that these salary caps and these floors are to even things up and help players, and it's just not. I think that they're they're going to help the owner spend less money. And they don't need to because – the numbers since in this uh, century show it. Uh, the competitive balance is not something that MLB needs to apologize for. Uh, teams can compete, uh, and they actually, and we've talked about in the past, they competed even better when there were fewer restrictions on uh, uh, salary and revenue sharing. So, but I was really, you know, interested to see that the, uh, MLB has had the most different champions. Uh, since the year 2000, among their teams, uh, also the most—they te- also have the best percentage of teams that have reached the World Series. Even if they didn't win it, so that would include the Tigers. Obviously, sadly enough, but <laughs> well, <laughs> so that okay. was kind of my inside of the number. I—I'm I, really getting worried about the CBA. I—I I, I have a—I st- I hope they don't start to duke it out this winter, where we have some kind of stoppage next spring. Uh, but the more I read, the less confident of that I'm getting. I
2: was trying to think, uh, so the the only multi-champions in the 21st century, I guess the Yankees were 2000 and 2009, 2007? I don't remember what year. Yeah. No, 2007 was the Red Sox. Red Sox have won four, right? Yeah. And the Giants won three. Uh, has anybody else won more than one? I don't think so. Feels like the Dodgers... Might, and but or
0: should, but yeah, no, no, that's a good point. Cardinals, I think that two. Oh, that's right. Oh um, six, oh nine. Yep. Okay. So maybe ten, whatever that was, or eleven. Oh six and eleven.
2: But uh, any of it, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good point. Like, there's uh there's more parity in baseball than I think people realize. Just because the, a lot of the same teams are are good every year, but it doesn't necessarily mean there's a uh, uh, you know the same winners every year.
0: Bud Selly jam that down everybody's throat during his tenure that there was that spending was bad and competitive balance was off kilter. I just don't agree.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's talk about them extending co- uh, the, the initial contracts of, I, I'm, I have to look that up exactly what was going on with it. But guys like, for example, Juan Soto would be with the team longer. So they wouldn't really hit their free agency just once in their 20s. And it sounds like what they're trying to do is roll back before the free agent period of the 70s where they're trying to do almost, I don't want to say indentured servitude because it's not accurate, but it sounds like to me they just want to keep these players longer so they can drive the value down. Every move is about
0: driving down salaries or spending less on on, on payroll. Um, That's the whole thing. I mean, as they get sucked into these conversations, as the press plays it up this winter – Anytime you hear that they want to, they want parity, they want more teams to compete. I think it's bunk. They want to spend less money. They want to keep salaries in check. I mean, that's that's really the only move that they
1: have. I got a comment from Miguel about it. the
0: cage on the if we pass
1: aside.
0: I
2: mean, come on, a don't play that Oh, it's a bush. Yeah. It oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Chris, what's your inside number? Oh, Okay, so well, uh, mine is negative forty-two point six which is kind of a uh, made up. This one, you, t- you talked about the Chris Federer effect. I think this one might illustrate it pretty well. So negative 42.6, that is the total drop in hard hit rate for three Tigers pitchers this year. So combined, the three of them have dropped 42.6%. Mm. Uh, all three of them now rank in, top, in the top 12 in baseball in terms of the biggest drops from last year to this year in hard hit rate. Joe Jimenez is number two. He's down 17.7% in hard hit rate. Jose Cisneros, number four, down 14.7%. Wow. And Spencer Turnbull was 12th before he got hurt, down 10.2%. So there, there are only 13 qualified pitchers this year who are down at least 10%, and the Tigers have three of them, which is, uh, I think, probably not a coincidence in my head. So uh, I think that's that's the fetter effect right there.
0: You know what jumps out at me there? It, what interests me is, obviously, Joe Jimenez was a train wreck. So that was the low-hanging fruit. He should have been someone they could cut that number off because he was giving up a lot of hard contact. But Cisnero and Turnbull were decent pitchers last year. Yeah. So to get them to have that kind of a decrease, that's pretty impressive, I think.
2: Yeah, I think it, uh, like I said, it was, uh, I was just looking for numbers early. I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, in hard hit rate, I think, as we call this, any ball hit uh, 95 miles an hour or harder. Because they had they ended like that's the the drop-off point where suddenly things start <laughs> turning very bad for pitchers. So yeah, that's good. It's uh, good progress. And it's nice to see two of those guys in the bullpen. I've I have buried Joe Jimenez several times over the last couple of years, and he looks legitimately better lately. Uh, you know, he still has the occasional hiccup where he gives up a home run or you know, has trouble finding the strike zone, but his pitches look crisper and he's throwing the changeup more and uh, yeah, he's been impressive <laughs> and, and Cisnero just kind of uh, quietly gets the job done, for all, almost all the time. He's had a couple rough outings, but every reliever does. So, yeah, I was
0: impressed with that. Yeah. I think that when he got out of that bases loaded, nobody out jammed the other day it was pretty cool. That was yeah, really nice.
1: Yeah, we talked about when we talked about this with I did an article on uh, Alex Lange, who, Lane, who was just throwing the change up and to effective high swing rate. So, my yeah. said number is two ten and nine eleven, and that is the. Yasmin Grandali's oh. batting average is 210, and his OPS is nine
2: eleven'll <laughs>
1: so Figure that out. Uh, that is something that is, since he's gotten back off the IL, and, and this is minimum of 200, like in terms of a uh, 200 plate appearances, it's kind of impressive. And it's, just a, it's almost the thing where this has come off. He had a game last week against the Cubs. And I think it was like two home runs, eight RBIs. He's been on a tear. And just adds to the fact that the Cubs, the White Sox, not the Cubs, because we'll get to the Cubs a little later. But good God, the White Sox have no weaknesses in the lineup. I mean, Luis Luis Roberts pit, hitting really well. It's just they, it's just strengths across the board. And those type of stats, you're looking at that, and you're just thinking to yourself, "There's not." I mean, again, Jose Abreu, too. Same thing. It's they. How do you get this team out? And so I wonder why they're cruising along in first place. But yeah, so two ten batting average and a 9-11 <laughs> OPS. That,
2: uh, I'm, I'm looking up now to see. That that strikes me as like, if anybody else has done that, I feel like it's probably Adam Dunn. Um,
1: uh, yeah, it sounds like a Rob Deere even.
2: Yeah. Uh but what what strikes me as is, is fun is uh what if Adam Dunn were a plus defensive catcher? I think that would be a very valuable player, and that yeah. apparently is is yes Monty Grandal. So I'm looking now to see. Uh yeah. Yeah, there you go. Rob Deere. See, and, I knew it. And well that was yeah, I didn't I needed to set a <laughs> a minimum plate appearances for this. Frank Thomas. In uh, in oh, yeah. 2005.
0: Yeah, toward the end, I believe it. Two
2: nineteen. Oh. Uh, this is well,
0: that's embarrassing. When he couldn't hit, run anymore.
2: Hit two nineteen with a nine hundred five OPS. Let me let me sort this by plate appearances, just real quick. Anyway, yeah. So this, well, okay, yeah, this doesn't seem to be very common at all. That's the only other one I could find with uh, with more than a hundred plate appearances. So, wow. Yeah, there you go. That's that's a good inside the number Yasmani Grandal.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's uh, yeah. I think all three of our numbers this week were pretty solid. So, all without right. Further ado, the good. Oh, that's
0: good. The bad. Oh, that's
1: bad. And the ugly. All right, it's time for the good, the bad, the ugly. Chris, what is your good, bad, ugly this week? Yes. Without further
2: ado, we'll get into some further madu. Uh, Akil- <laughs> Ak- Akil- oh, hey, 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 wait a minute. Uh, no, so yeah, Akil Badu shook off a really rough August where he didn't walk. And I don't know if he hit any home runs. I don't believe he did. And he was hurt too. But uh, fantastic start to September. He's uh, two straight games with a homer and a walk, which is kind of an Badu special. It's the fifth time he's done that this year. Uh, I was looking. That's tied for the sixth most ever by a Tigers rookie in his first 100 100- career games, tied with uh, Steve Kemp and, uh, you know, what's his name? The Thompson guy that we've brought up Jason a little bit Thompson. lately. Jason Thompson. Yeah, I was going to say Justin, but I knew it wasn't that. <laughs> um, and, you know, his home run today came off Frankie Montas, who was a pretty darn good pitcher. Uh, and and it was his first opposite field home run since April 13th. And this is where I get to point out my own article the, I wrote it just last week about Akil Badu, and I was trying to figure out what was going on. And it was just it was hard for me to figure out because, uh, you know, just to see the walks disappear like that and the power go away and try to figure out what was going on. And, and it, eventually, I think I figured out the pitchers are just they had him off balance and they were pitching him away a lot more than they did earlier in the year. And for whatever reason, that resulted in him kind of taking more fastballs away and then popping up fastballs inside when they, when he got them, mm. I guess he was just, you know, looking away and he just all, all mixed up. And I didn't really have any way to fix it, but I said, if, and when he gets out of it, it it'll probably come in the form of him hitting for power to the opposite field again. And so uh, I believe that we may have seen him break out of it in the last couple of days uh, in that home run to the opposite field. off uh, Frankie Montes seems like a good evidence of that to me. So that's that's my good we like a kill- do around here uh, my bad and you guys kind of touched on this uh, was MLB's proposal for the 29 and a half year old free agency cutoff um, mm. and, and I don't necessarily think the initial offer is is terrible and if people miss this I like I didn't seem to get a ton of publicity maybe I just wasn't paying attention but from that offer we heard last month about the you were talking about the, about the salary floor and salary ceiling Apparently, this was also in there, and the idea is: is anyone who turns twenty nine before July first of a season becomes a free agent the following year, uh, regardless of their service time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And and so, in place of the current arbitration system, where you know guys have three years of team control, and then they start, you know, being able to uh, you know, file for arbitration, and then that ugly process where teams have to, <laughs> you know, go out there and tell their player that they like why they don't want him to be paid as much. Uh, it would They would replace that with like a giant pool of money, which uh, apparently was initially $1 billion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the big t- t- sticking points that everybody's been talking about, the service time manipulation, and this is baseball's uh, solution. And it, it's just a little bit too broad at this point. and And part of that is like we just don't know all the details, but I feel like 29.5 is probably still a little bit high for players. Uh, in general, and you touched on it, Raj. You know that that for for guys who come up at a really young age, that's like eight nine years of team control. Yeah. So for that, I would I would really want to know more details about this giant pool of money and how it's distributed, yeah. <laughs> and I would want it to grow by a significant amount every year. Um, and and most of all, though, and this is the, the sort of thing that's always been confusing to me is is I'd want to know if there's any sort of waiting period or grandfather clause for this, because if they implemented it next season, for example, Spencer Turnbull would be a free agent all of a sudden. Like, well, well, that was fun. (laughs) See you later, Spencer. Uh, So it it, feels just kind of like a bummer. Like you want the players to have the upper hand. Eventually, I'd kind of like to get through this current crop, though. You know, you don't want to lose Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal a little early now. Or, you know, Derek Hill is just getting going, and he's, what, 26? Yeah. So he'd be gone in three years. It's just, uh, I don't know. I I think what we would see is probably, in the case of someone like Soto, would be like in hockey. What, what is it, like 7 or 27 or something like that, where yeah, whatever comes first. You get a certain number of years of service time, or you hit a, an age threshold. So I think that's probably what we're going to eventually see. So, again, not necessarily – a bad proposal, just not good enough. So, this is my good, not good enough, and ugly. <laughs> uh, and my ugly, and, and I, you know, these ones always suck to talk about. We've done it before, though, so I guess we could do it again. Is, is Juan Encarnacion, which is another story that I didn't see getting any publicity in Detroit, at least. I don't know if hey, you guys I, saw it. I, no, no, I do no idea what you're referring to. Juan Encarnacion, uh, former Tigers outfielder, uh, was arrested in the Dominican Republic for. <laughs> Uh, sexually assaulting his
0: daughter—that's
2: at least what he's been charged with. So he was—he's—he's he's got an 11-year-old daughter. He was—he's, I think, estranged from his wife. Uh, I'm trying to—the details were let's a little bit. So what happened? Yeah, he was—he was out. I don't know what he, he went to his wife's house or ex-wife's house or you know separated wife's house and wanted to come inside because it was raining. And apparently he, he's been charged with going into his daughter's bedroom and touching her. And this was back in May. And wow. I think he's been in jail ever since. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the definition of ugly. And, yeah. and you never, you never know with like a, a separation incident or, or like, you don't know things get really ugly when people are getting divorced and separated. We know that there was a case in my neighborhood where a woman accused her husband of, of sexually assaulting their daughter and it turned out that she was lying. Mm. It was uh just to get custody. Uh, but still, either way, it's ugly as hell, one way or the other. And uh and again, like I, I wasn't entirely sure why this didn't make any news in Detroit as a former Tiger player, but
0: never heard about it.
1: Yeah, never heard about it either. Yeah,
2: you know, I'm sorry to ruin your evening with that, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Tendency to Oh well then, uh Yuper, go uh, uh yeah, break it down. Yeah, hey, do some hey. Yeah, that's Yeah, no, you, you, Walt Walt's right. Uh right. About Ron Garden you know. puppy dying. We'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, or uh Yuper, bring some sunshine back to the show, please.
0: <laughs> well, my good is <clears throat> something that happened around the trade deadline when uh Houston and Seattle made that deal for Toro for Graveman. And I was kind of bothered by all the hand ringing out of Seattle that, oh, we love Graveman, and the GM didn't read the room, and this was the worst trade ever because he was so popular and so on. He's a relief pitcher. Give me a break. That was the biggest joke I ever heard, I thought. (laughs) Well, this week, Toro, for Seattle, becomes the first guy ever to hit a grand slam off the guy he was traded for. (laughs) So <laughs> that was pretty cool to see. And Abraham Toro, the team is still contending. They've not lost the, you no, know, they haven't imploded because they lost Kendall Graveman. Um, Toro for the Mariners, he's got a slash right now of three hundred six, three eighty three, four fifty two uh, as a Mariner. So. <laughs> Absolutely, the guy is hitting, and uh, that looks like it's going to be a pretty good trade. Now I'm sure Graveman, you know, he's he's a Decent pitcher, but he was a starter, a failed starter who's been now an effective reliever. Those are guys you can find, uh, whereas Toro might be, end up being an everyday infielder for the Mariners not as we go along here. That's a trade I make all the time, so uh, I, I was just happy to see him uh, have that moment this week. Kind of coincidentally, he knocked it off of Graveman, so uh, my bad. Also at the trade deadline, I'm kind of a trade deadline special here, uh, Brad Hant. Mm. Uh, was struggling for the Nationals, not having a great year. So I was mildly surprised that Toronto went after him. I thought there were some guys they could have targeted more uh, if if Toronto's going to get back into this playoff race, uh, a little further into the playoff race. Uh, And Hand basically died in Toronto. Uh, uh, 11 terrible outings, uh, got DFA. Uh, The Mets have taken a shot at him now. Good luck to them. Uh, but, you know, t- Toronto also gave up a pretty good prospect in Riley Adams, who's he's hitting well for, for Washington right now. Uh, might be a starting catcher for them, or at least a good backup catcher. Either way, uh, NAS- the Nationals are a long way toward winning that trade right now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you yeah, I just, I would never, if I was making deadline deals, and I wanted to improve my team for the playoffs race and the playoffs, a reliever who's already struggling would not be high on my list. <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh didn't quite understand that one and it really really turned out poorly for toronto and toronto's had a good couple of years here of player acquisition so everybody makes mistakes i guess um ugly you darvish uh right now going through the worst nine game stretch of his career uh with about a seven and a half era uh over that time after that wonderful start he got off to he has uh Really, really gone downhill. And it's kind of mirrored uh, the playoff chances of the Padres. Uh, I like the Padres. I I thought I was really excited about them at the start of this year. I thought they were going to give the Dodgers all they can handle. Uh, And now it's turned out to be the Giants are giving the Dodgers all they can handle. And the the Padres are about 14 games back. And uh, their starting pitching has tanked. And Hugh Darvish has been a big part of it. It's been pretty ugly uh, late summer here for him. Yeah, you know the the
2: Padres we t- I, I think I had the, their pitching staff as uh, one of my uglies a couple weeks ago and I was just looking earlier today to see like you know looking for for stuff to talk about and I checked overall team offense over the last month and they ranked 28th oh, in baseball yeah. right right ahead of the Tigers <laughs> 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 and uh and it's 83 WRC+, plus, the same as the Tigers. So their they're only reason they're ahead of the Tigers is their defense has been better. But I'm looking to see now. Trent Grisham is their leading hitter. So he's doing okay. Will Myers. But somebody must be dragging him down pretty hard. Let's see who's dragging it down. Who's to – here we go. All right. We're on the I negative side that. of things. Uh, Victor Caratini, Tommy Pham, Jake Marisnik. Not really anybody dragging him down super hard. I, I don't know. I guess uh, just not getting the production from – Tatis and Machado and those guys. That Cronenworth uh, yeah. Kronen, has been solid, but he's only hitting 216. That doesn't help. So, anyway, yeah, it, it's San Diego. Like this is one of those things where you wonder, you wonder if uh, Preller is going to survive this. You would think so. I mean, he's built this this uh, you know outwardly very talented team and, and done a great farm system, but they, I mean, they've really collapsed, and and he traded a bunch of pieces, not super highly ranked pieces, but Mackenzie Gore has gone backwards this year and, and I don't know. It's just been a rough year in San Diego. It looked like it was their year and suddenly it's like, yeah, they're they're behind the Reds now, I think.
0: And you know, they're a team I was hoping the Tigers would emulate. You know, they've spent a lot of cash. They won they've been hugely aggressive uh in the international market and uh you know player acquisition. Uh stuff that man we'd love to see at least me would have loved to see Alavila do which we may not be capable of and that's maybe that's why these changes have happened in Detroit but um I'm not saying San Diego is done I mean they may come back next year and be really strong but it has been a real disappointment
2: you know one more thing you I didn't share this with you I shared it with Raj and and Jake I'm working on my I'm working on a thing looking at the the uh the history of international acquisitions and i'm kind of over not like over the last 15 20 years or so and i'm kind of reverse engineering it so i went through and found every every international signing who has put up at least one two war season yeah. since 2005 and uh and what's interesting is that the tigers actually had five uh and that's because it still counted Ramon Santiago and Omar Infante. So then I've I've changed it a little bit to like, okay, only guys signed after two thousand, only guys signed after twenty ten. But the most shocking thing was, was that the Padres only have one. Really? Despite all that money they've spent. And and that was and it's not even really true because I was giving him benefit. it's Luis Urias, the uh, their infielder who they traded to The Brewers, and he's not at two WAR this year. I was kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's at like one point six. So, despite all the money they spent on the international market and all those guys, this is just position players. You know, they've spent a lot of money on pitchers too. But uh, it was just something interesting, and and, you know, uh, uh, a preview of an article I'll write at some point in the future once I figure everything out.
0: I guess for me, and it does surprise me, and that's fine. Though, to me, just because things have gone wrong, don't doesn't mean you quit doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, and they've been aggressive, and they've spent the money. If they're not getting the return for it, well, that's that's on them. Uh, but I would, I still like the fact that one year they blew the doors off and tried mm-hmm. to gather in all that talent that they could. And I guess you know they need to do a better yeah. job.
2: Well, I, I mean, it, like I said, I it didn't count the pitchers, and, and they've done a great job there, and they've used these guys as trade chips. And, and that's, you that's know, I, I could extrapolate that farther and say, okay, he turned into a two-win player because they traded him. But, uh, like, you know, they 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 went and got Snell. I don't know what he's done this year, but they used Patino for that. And uh in any event, you know, yeah. no, not, not to derail things. Raj, you want to go ahead and do your good, but ugly? <laughs>
1: Sorry, I was, the the NFL season's right around the corner, and you mentioned San Diego. So anytime I have, to, I can use this San Diego Supercharger song. I will <laughs> I had to use that opportunity. Huh? I mean, because San Diego, all they have now are the Padres. It's not the Chargers anymore. They're all in L.A. Yep. So they, yeah. Anyway, I
2: guess, so yeah, Mike, so was that? I was just, uh, my brother was texting me about college football starting tonight. And
1: how's football starting? To, wow,
2: Minnesota's beating Ohio State, fourteen to ten at halftime.
1: Really? really?
2: Really? Wow. So. <clears throat> Final right. score 60 to 14, Ohio State.
1: Yeah, somehow they're going <laughs> to rattle off 40 points. <laughs> so, my good this week is Gamer Cannon Delario's month of August. And he's been on a Terry Leeds league in doubles, which is something that is very rare for a Tiger player to do. And right now, his month of August, he had a WRC plus of 113 which is above average of what the Tigers had it is in the month of August as a collective. He was batting 267 with an OP uh, a slash line, 267, 315 and slugging at 475. And he had three home runs and 13 RBIs, but it's really just the kind of the quality at bats. today. He almost hit another home run. I'll hit a three run Homer. Then in the, I believe it was the eighth or ninth, he almost hit one out again. And he seems like a different player. I know there some people don't want to extend him. But at the same time, he is now in terms of Fangraphs, Chris, and this is something that always stands out to me. And we've talked about this before. He's a 2.2 WAR player right now on Fangraphs. So if you put that in Baseball Reference terms, because those two are very different, it's he, in terms of a season he's having. Just in terms of what kind of player he's been, impact, impactful player for the Tigers right now, and putting him at third, I think just keeping him at third has been probably the best decision. Where I know mean, last year was kind of out of first place. He was in first place, maybe that's why he had such the back issues. But he's got two point six WAR according to Baseball Reference. So either way, he's been productive, and that really helped the Tigers, despite finishing under five hundred for the month. Which is again, what AJ Hinch has been doing with his lineup is sort of just maybe voodoo like. I don't know what he's doing, but either way, it's working. My bad is the whole situation with. The entire, well, it's it's kind of a mixture of both. But I really want to go with the top player in the National League in the month of August, CJ Crone, <laughs> and also the National Rookie of the Net, the NL Rookie of the Month was Frank Swaddell of the Cubs. <laughs> so the, the, the reason why that's kind of bad is because I still don't. I was never understood why, I mean, I can understand to a certain extent why they didn't resign C.J. Crone. Perhaps they were worried about his injuries because he had back-to-back seasons where he was injured. But he didn't make an effort. I mean, he wanted to come back here, and I don't know what happened, whether it was the analytics guys or the old-school guys or whatever happened there, but it's kind of bad because, I mean, right now, Ronaldo Nunez was signed by Milwaukee. So, again, the, the, the first baseman situation, although, honestly, like – I mean, Spencer Torquil is going to be there anyways next year. Okay, pump the brakes a little bit. We're doing that for sure until it's etched in stone. Be that as it may, it's still left. It just kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth a little bit. But two guys that they weren't really patient on. And again, it's just like the same thing with, like, well, what about um Rio? El- Rodriguez. Yeah, El- Rodriguez or guys like Yario Gonzalez. How come they're not getting opportunities? They're just filling the minor league rosters right now. And, and again, Rodriguez, we've talked, I feel like this has been a broken record. We've talked about this the last month or so. He just can't hit off speed, but it's just, it, it's just weird to me that, that there's not been more of an opportunity to recognize that or, or even a for Frank Sunnell. He didn't do much when he was up here, but still. better elsewhere.
2: Yeah. You know, part of me wonders, um, because I think you're right. Like It is interesting. I, I thought that did not give Renato Nunez nearly enough of a chance. He seemed like he got like 30 at-bats. I didn't even yeah. – um, but part of me wonders if this is an A.J. Hinch thing going back to – we've talked about this before over the years about kind of the, the changing role of the D.H., it also maybe the changing role of the first baseman where you, you don't just want somebody who has to only play first base or DH. Now you want kind of to use those positions. So scope plays first base. He can play second base. They got Cabrera. There's nothing much they can do there, but, but kind of the classic, um, not classic, but now like a utility guy. So you can give guys a day off as a DH rather than, uh, you know, having just a strict DH. I, I wonder if that's kind of a hinge thing where he just doesn't want that plotting, first base only guy. He wants somebody he can, he can move around a little bit. I don't know. It's, it's interesting.
1: I would agree with that because the versatility of scope has helped out too. And so that's kind of even, I mean, scope has struggled since the contract extension, but again, still to have the versatility at second, first base now with him, that's help. but still, I mean, two, two guys who were with the tigers. That could have <laughs> yeah. helped out. So that the ugly is the Mets situation as Zach Scott was, uh, was arrested on charge of drunk driving. He was coming back from the amazing Mets, uh, like a fundraising uh, foundation for at Steve Cohen's house. He was a team owner, by the way. And he's doing court next week. He was probably the acting general manager back in January. But um, yeah, so he was pretty, I mean, before that, his history with Boston was with the Red Sox. But other part of the Mets, too, is a whole thumbs up, thumbs down, between Lenore and Javi Baez, and that whole situation where we well, were not to let her players do that. Da, 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 da. It's New York. You knew that coming in. New York fans and Boston fans are the toughest. Mm-hmm. They're going to criticize you. Although you know what's funny to me, I think Tiger fans are just as brutal, but we tend to be a little more polite about it. I guess <laughs> on not on social media though, or well, yeah, on social media because if you there's some there's some social media accounts. That if you make if you say one bad thing about the Tigers, it's <laughs>
0: rubble,
1: rubble, 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 rubble. but New York. I mean they they lose they lose two in a row. They're like this team stinks. You know it's just it's the it's a very those two markets are not forgiving at all. I mean look at Bill Buckner. He had to move to Idaho. I mean before he, and then when they won a World Series, <laughs> oh God. Him, yeah. the yeah, late great Bill Buckner. I mean he had to move to the other uh, Idaho, Idaho. Yeah. I mean, this guy was in major markets. I mean, he played for the Cubs, too. Dodgers. Damn
2: near 3,000 hits, I think. It was like yeah. 2,700, 2,800 hits. Yeah. You know what's funny is, is I, I'm a huge fan of the thumbs down. I find it to be more enjoyable than the middle finger. Like, yeah. it, it depends on how, like people are not mostly just going, I like to just like, like I, I went through a period way back. It's like 20 years ago now. And it seems very silly. It's one of those things my friend and I, we went to like universal studios or Cedar point or whatever. And, you know, you get on the roller coaster and they always give you the thumbs up. Yeah. And we just thought it would be hilarious. Like right as you get towards a pass, they just look at you you go <laughs> like, Oh, <laughs> thumbs down. You're going down. Like what, what's going to happen? Uh, You're but yeah,
1: to Gemini.
2: <laughs> so yeah. Oh, yeah, oh he's You're talking about Tyler Collins, right? Tyler when he Collins, gave everybody the finger, he did yeah.
1: this, you know. So
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, And then he talked about it and apologized. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I like, oh, I like Joe a good Nathan thumbs didn't, down. But didn't Joe Nathan do this too? Like, didn't he I like, do? Th- like I thing? think he did this. I think he did the old scratch my oh, nose middle no, finger. I thought he did this too. I thought he did this. Too. He might have <laughs> done. Who knows what Joe, Joe Nathan might have tried it all? I mean, that was talk about. Uh, proof of the Tiger's bullpen curse, man. That, that guy was like a, basically a Hall of Fame track. Yep. Comes to Detroit and just falls apart.
1: You know, every time I think about the article I wrote about cursing uh, the, the reliever curses or the starter curses we signed, and some idiot on Facebook's like, This guy's a terrible writer. It's, it's a curse. I'm like, Is he not? Are, are we missing something here? Hello? Yeah. Joe Nathan. that Moore, you freaking idiot.
0: <laughs> You're
1: a terrible writer. You're, there's no such thing as a curse. Get the f- out of here. Anyway. I mean,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. So. I don't believe in curses, but still, bad luck. Yeah,
1: bad luck. You know, or you don't. Uh, momentum. It's not a thing. Is it a thing? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I think, yeah.
2: In certain sports, I think momentum's a thing.
1: Yes, that's. Uh, so, did we? Have any other questions before we get to Walter's questions?
2: I didn't see any questions online. I didn't see. I don't know. I don't hear. Yeah, it's a, an unusually quiet episode. I didn't even hear that we didn't have the uh, good, bad, and ugly music playing, did we? Yeah, we did. Oh, I wonder. So maybe my setup is messed up now, so I can't hear
1: it. No, I I, I played it. It was there. Oh. Yeah. oh yeah, I didn't I didn't hear it at all. Interesting. Really? Did you? But you you've been hearing this all night, though, right? The uh... oh,
0: well, that's embarrassing.
2: Yeah, I hear the drops. I just th- that's that's odd. I yeah. wonder what's going on there. Oh well, well, good. Hope yeah. I wasn't talking too much over the music.
1: No, no, you weren't actually. In fact, that was the that was the funny thing. You weren't saying anything during the drops or the music I was playing. So, no. but uh, uh, by the way, so, yeah questions folks just le- just want to let you know see the pot whoa Chris got cut out there if you have questions for the show tigers- no we really can't hear now you <laughs> 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 tigers at srd.com just ask us a question or uh, go to our Twitter accounts if you want to go to our Facebook tiger my league report or Twitter account tiger ml report If you have questions for us numbers we love questions we love we wanted to do what? we wanted to do a trivia thing tonight but no one I don't know
2: what Yeah, people I, are. I really wanted to hear your trivia questions. I wanted to take try my best to guess them.
1: Ah, oh, man, no, cuz I really like the way you put that question out there about the home runs and then immediately I rattled off 3 without even thinking about it. That'd be a Yeah, humble I, humble you name. named humble <laughs> breath, <so.
2: laughs> No, you named two that I missed just by uh not focusing on the other random drafts, the secondary drafts and the January drafts which are, have always confused me. That's when yeah. they got Kemp and and Howard Johnson. Um and yeah, also through that, we we I, I discovered that the Tigers once drafted Daryl Evans back in 1966.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that. that's, that's, that's one, a, that's one of the
2: five times he was drafted.
1: So Walter's question was a really good one too. But again, I'm mean, just say this again: questions week every week, please. I don't have to. I, I don't have to beg for. I should have to beg for questions, folks. You guys don't be this passive audience. Participate. We love participation. So uh, the question he had was. Would we'll make the 40 man roster going in the rule five this coming up, and there is. You know, I was looking at this, the 40 man right now, and there's a couple guys in Toledo that you and I talked about this privately, Chris. I think you, per, we, we, I think we talked about this too. There's a couple guys right now that are kind of on the bubble, or pretty much, I don't think we'll be here next year. But if you're looking at Toledo's roster, Walter, let me, let me just say this I don't think Brian Garcia, I'm gonna say Brian Garcia, Jacob Robson are are not going to be here. Um, I think Paredes might be traded, uh, but those are just, but those three right there off the top of my head right now. And to replace them, of course, Riley Green, Justin Turpleson, and Ryan Kreiser. And that's an easy uh, for foregone conclusion, I think, right there. And I think Cody Clemens also makes the 40-man roster too.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think
2: Clemens is, needs to be added to the 40-man roster, or he'll be Rule 5 eligible. Uh, among other players in that category, like the guys you have to add, is that maybe Angel Jesus, Although, I, I don't know. I mean, he was a little field guy, and uh, he hasn't been terribly good. I, mean, I think I think we might see the Tigers go into the offseason with like a 35-man, 40-man roster. Like, I, I feel like there are a lot of guys who could get let go. Even guys that necessarily they, they might want to keep, like a Jason Foley, they might just... Remove them. I think, you know, and there's a lot of guys who are going no matter what, like Garneau and Willie Peralta. And, and I don't know if, I guess they still technically have Miguel Del Pozo for a while if they want. Um, but like Derek Collins has gone, I think, you know, all these guys. So, so there's going to be a lot of space. I don't I don't see them adding Torkelson and Green and Kreidler just f- because cause they don't have to. Mm-hmm but we could see them make the team out of spring training next year, uh, which is why I think they're going to leave some spots open. But yeah, I, I'm trying to think other than, than Clemens and Jesus, I guess we've talked before about guys like, uh, well, Peter uh,
0: Montero. Jason Beck is saying is Clemens vest Reese Olson and DeJesus.
2: Yeah. Well, I was, yeah, I guess Olson isn't on the 40 man, is it? Right? No. So yeah, I mean, he, he'll, he'll, they definitely add him. So that's a good one. That's a, a new guy they've added. Uh, I, I just you know I don't necessarily see it with the Jesus, but uh, you know if they want another internal arm and get get him to fetter and see what he could do, sure. Uh, yeah, so I I think that's probably about right. I yeah, I, and I don't even know about Vest because they didn't they didn't protect him last year. He was taken, somebody and and he wasn't good enough for the Mariners. So like I you know yep. I don't think I'd necessarily be worried about that. And they haven't brought him up at all. So.
1: Yeah, they haven't uh, brought up the other reliever either, who
2: they got from Houston, Nivaldo Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy that that doesn't particularly stand out to me, so I think he'll be gone. So, I actually feel like they do, oddly enough, they've gotten they've gotten better this year, but it's kind of like a been a condensed group of better players, where they've they've gotten rid of some of the chaff, but there's still a bunch of guys on the team that, that they're just kind of mix, mixing and matching. They're doing the roster churn that we wanted uh, them to do forever. Yeah. So, yeah, and and I, one of us, if not all three of us, because it's a long offseason, we'll do some sort of deep dive into like the roster situation and who they could target and, and how much room they'll have and all that good stuff. I, I did it last year, and I, I got. I didn't. I didn't get. Uh, I think I mentioned that they'd add Lang and Manning and Vito. Uh, and Wentz. I don't know who I forgot who they added last I know you, year. You, you mentioned Wentz last year. I remember that. the one guy, uh, and then I, I was like, "Hey, maybe Will Vest," and they didn't add Will Vest, and then he was taken. So, uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll just take a little time to go through it. But
0: well, like Jason Beck, uh, he asked the question in his in one of the MLB columns: the Tigers have basically four of their own free agents. Are they going to bring them back or not? Mm-hmm. And he listed Urania, Holland, Tehran. And Peralta I Peralta got a shot uh,
2: yeah I mean, it's interesting like you know Tehran just the injury I think basically takes him out of uh, the equation unless you know you never know maybe they'll bring him back in the spring training invite again and see what happens mm-hmm. um, yeah arana I think I think I technically would. they I think don't they have him for another year if they want
1: is there a player option for that or was that
2: I, I thought he was wasn't a free, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess they signed him as a free agent, so who knows? Yeah, um,
1: One year deal, yeah.
2: Uh, and Holland, yeah. I, I don't think Holland's coming back. Ugh. Again, who knows?
1: I mean, I mean, Wentz could easily replace him if you're gonna push him out of the bullpen, which I thought Mark Gurash did that on Twitter. And I thought that. I thought about it for a second. I'm like, you know what? It's not a bad idea. If you have, if you're gonna get some more starters, because right now you the the current crop, the, again, the starting pitching right now is kind of razor thin at the moment until we see what the, what's going on with the draft picks, and that's not going to be until middle of the summer until we get a good gauge of what's going on with the current dra- uh, current picks from the draft. And even now on the international side, which is something that we'll hint to, Chris is working on, the international side of things for pitching has not produced much either. And so um, it's going to be, the Tigers have to be, again, the, the, the shortstop is, should be the critical thing for the free agency offseason. But I also think that, again, addressing the pitching staff, Spencer Turnbull- to be out for Tommy John. you got Fado coming back, but he also has a bull, He's more of a bullpen guy, I think. There's bullpen risk to that, and that's fine. But I think because mm-hmm. he throws two good pitches really well, I think if you get the fetter effect on there, I think that will benefit him. But, honestly, it, Walter, it, to finish off answering your question, really, it's just it's – I mean, for Paredes, I think the reason why I thought that he had trade values because he can also bring back a couple pitchers that can, you can use to either the bullpen or as starters to kind of – Temporary until everybody gets ready. I mean, Matt Manning start today. As well, I mean, Oakland's a really good offensive team. Josh Harrison is. Josh Harrison was probably injured here or something, but he's been just looks like the same all star he was when in Pittsburgh just a few seasons back. But Manning, again, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild before Manning. Be, like we we've seen some glimpses of it. I know you're step. I know you're the low man on him, Chris, and you brought you know. <laughs>
2: You know, it's funny as, as, as I was starting to buy in right before today's start, I was like, you know, he looked good last start. Uh, and basically because one of, one of my inside, the numbers was going to be, he actually had the lowest FIP of the three rookie starters, really lower than mys and lower than school, uh, until today. And it was mostly because he hadn't given up home runs. And, uh, I guess it, it stood the reason though, at, at a certain point, if you can't miss enough bats, you're going to start giving up home runs. But, uh. Yeah, I mean, it's 13 starts. I, and that was when, uh, another one of my inside the numbers was going to be, but I felt like I've done too many on Manning. I was going to set it at 14 and say, how many big league starts does Matt Manning get next year? Because I, I feel like he's getting these starts mostly because they don't have any other options at this point. It's like, you know, it's Drew Hutchison. Do you want to Drew Hutchison or <laughs> Matt Manning? It's like, <laughs> eh, we'll we'll give the young guy a chance. So, um, but uh, yeah, I feel like th- th- he's got, He's got to get a lot more consistent with his secondary pitches. Uh, I liked that he came out throwing really hard today. I think he needs to throw really hard to succeed. It doesn't seem like he can sustain that for throughout the game, though. He was, you know, he was 96, 97 early, and then it was back down to 93. It was a long inning for him.
0: Yeah, it but,
2: was. Uh,
0: 32 pitches in the first.
2: But, uh, yeah, I don't
0: know. So you said the over-under at 14?
2: Yeah, 14 starts for, for Matt Manning in the big leagues next year.
0: Well, I'm inclined to take the over.
2: I, yeah, I think he I, pushes twenty. Well, and then one thing—I mean, we—they have, have to figure out what they're going to do with Matthew Boyd, who has actually been one of the more effective starters by the numbers this year, but was hurt, and you know he's going to be getting a raise, and we've seen basically what he is over the last couple of years. So I, I don't know; it, it's tough. They're, they're going to have to find some more pitching—that's for sure.
1: I think you know, uh, Michael. Michael says over. I will go with you and stay with the under. I just, again, just because uh, as Walter said earlier in the, on our YouTube channel, he doesn't need to out pitch. And I know Chris and I have talked about this change up over and over again. We've done some video on it. So if you go to Tiger Mountain Report on the YouTube channel, there's some Batman videos where he's looking at We went to a couple of his starts this year. And you even heard some of the, we heard the Tiger personnel talk in front of us about working on a third pitching and getting that down to a, yeah. a science it, 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 to me it's just gonna be imperative. And if you can get that done in the in the I mean, you, you, I can see the Tigers maybe put him in the Arizona Fall League. Maybe they get a couple starts there yeah you
2: know it, it's uh, maybe to to build him up i could see that it, it's he, he's just been so interesting this year because he's had three like absolutely disastrous starts and the rest of them have been mostly fine but no matter what if he's awful or if he's fine there have been very rare occasions where i look at him and go yeah okay that's it that's it he's showing the signs like i i, I still don't know how he's succeeding <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to know if he keeps doing it who cares but uh, I, I mean, I just feel like if the Tigers are serious about getting better next year and, and even contending, he might not be a guy whose who's, uh, ups and downs they can live with. But again, like I, who is, uh, Michael was saying, that the A's got to Scoobal, too. Scoobal's issue has been, and hopefully he'll figure it eventually, but it might always be home runs. If he didn't give up home runs, he'd be fantastic. He gives up a lot of home runs. Uh, and, and when I watch Scoobal, it seems like a lot of times the home runs. We've talked about this before too, the the two home runs against Goldschmidt and his previous start. I thought those were pretty good pitches, but a lot of times it just seems like he, he's like, he like takes a pitch off and it's a 93 mile an hour fastball over the heart of the plate and he gets crushed. And and I don't know if that's a concentration thing. Maybe it's just me projecting that onto him, but it seems like, it seems like at some point he's a guy who's going to be able to get locked in hundred percent for the whole game. It just takes some guy's time. So I, like, you know, I often compare him to Scherzer. Scherzer wasn't the absolute madman that he is now when he started in Detroit, at least I don't remember him, you know, no. yelling at the ball and
1: being that crazy. It felt like that was something
2: he had to teach himself. Uh, so I don't know. In the,
1: postseason, when, in the postseason run, when Max started doing like those extra, we started seeing more of emotion. He's always kind of like, he was kind of quiet. Then you started seeing that more often. And, and for, school well, look I I'm just excited for the fact that the Tigers have a late round draft pick who's pitching as well as he is and you know knock on wood that he stays healthy and then really right now yeah' there's been as one of our listeners has mentioned too there's not four or five starters out of the of the rotation yeah. and to still be at where they're at right now at 63 and 72 I believe or 63 and 71 I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but uh, I have the record like the way they are is uh, 63
2: 72. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I understand why he's pitching this year. I just feel like if they're going to try to contend next year, they're going to theoretically have more options than, than Manning where they, I mean, you you figure and school will be there if they stay healthy, but I don't know. After that, it it does get kind of tough to project. So who knows? Maybe he will be the fourth or fifth starter for him.
0: Yeah, we will we'll know after this winter who they bring in. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think personally, if he stays with the ratio of of acceptable start to disaster start that he has now, he is a four starter probably. You know, somebody who's going to give you 130 to 150 innings next year and and be fine. Um, you know, we don't. Ex- I don't expect a whole lot of the back of the rotation, and I think. I think we'll see some improvement. I really do. I I, I think he's going to learn to miss some bats. I, I have to believe that's going to be job number one of Chris Feder when it comes to Manning this winter. And uh, uh, I think he's surviving the summer. So uh, I want to see more personally. Yeah, and
2: and um, you know, there's also the like you know, the, 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 he's got a six two nine ERA right now. That's that's not going to work, but. I, you do wonder if if it weren't this season, if they were trying to compete, if they would really be letting him in there to take those lumps right. like he took today, like an eight run. Like it felt for a while today, like hey, he doesn't have it. <laughs> They're just trying to you know let him figure it out.
0: But I was surprised he came back out for the fourth.
2: Yeah, but are you know our, bring up our friend Mark Gorosh again. He he thinks that Manning needs to do the kind of in vogue thing now that lucas giolito did and some other pitchers have, do, have done where they shorten their arm action basically because matt manning does have a really long arm stroke it seems and and i don't know necessarily what that might change but remember lucas giolito was a fastball curveball guy in the minors like Man- manning uh and came into the majors and like turned out hey you know what this fastball and this curveball they're both not good they have low spin they don't get things and then now he's like this elite changeup guy mm-hmm. uh it's yeah, you know, you, you got to give guys time. I'm not burying Matt Manning by any means. I just, I just wonder if if they really mean to compete next year, if they can survive his growing pains. But maybe he'll have figured it out by then.
0: Well, here's the question I have: What do they need to compete next year? I mean, so many <laughs> people, are, so many people are really happy with this club that you read online. And we have to remember, even though they played pretty well for 100 games, they are what eight games under 500. What, you know, what what do we got to do? What's
2: the... <laughs> well, yeah, and that's another thing. I, I I felt like, you know, uh, people in general, the the opinion or not the opinion, but the, the sense I get from people around, Tigers fans around today is like, hey, you know, they came back. They, that was good. It's nice to see some fight in this team. And it is good. It's it's nice after the last couple of years, but at a certain point, <laughs> it's going to be like, yeah, that fight's great. Why don't you win? Yeah. Win some more instead of this. So, yeah, but I think... I think we're going to need to see them. Everybody wants a shortstop. I do think that that's going to be the main priority. They're going to have to get at least one big position player, I think. I, I don't, if it's not a shortstop, it's an outfielder uh, or, I don't know, second baseman or somebody like that. And I think they're going to need to add a couple starters. And, and not just, like, the stopgap. Maybe one stopgap starter, but a couple
0: yeah.
2: who are, uh, you know, who, who are...
0: So we're, gonna... talking, we're talking four players, really. I mean, yeah. at the yeah. minimum. Do, do you think they have the fortitude for four guys four signings uh, <laughs> substantive signings in one winner
2: I don't know I mean that, that's something else I'm gonna put out there is like hey here, you know here are five ways to spend 50 million dollars uh, which one pick pick your pick your poison do you well, want that, the star, stars and scrubs route where you go get Carlos Correa for 32 million dollars a year and you, you have to get yeah. your know, three Jared Saltalamacchias?
0: Um but the thing I wrote yesterday yeah I put, I put out four names and I put it around sixty million to sixty-two million dollars. I could be way off on those numbers, but I think that's the kind of investment they have to make uh, if they want if they really want twenty-two to be a, a year of contention. Yeah. And I put out I put out Marte, Semien, Verlander, and Colin McHugh. I mean, those are just names. Obviously, there's guys you could substitute in there, no problem. But those are the kind of expenditures I think they're gonna have to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are kind of a surprising number of interesting free agents on the market this coming year that aren't getting a lot of pub. That I mean, we mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez before. Stephen Matz is a guy who might be kind of interesting. He's injured a lot, but he's
0: mm-hmm.
2: he's like a solid number four starter who who might be able to you it's get terrible. him for fairly fairly uh, inexpensive. I, I was talking to Roger the other day. Like, as much as I want to believe it, I just have a hard time seeing the Tigers shell out one of those massive contracts again, another 10 year, $300 million deal. I just, I feel like I do too. I feel like they're going to talk about wanting to stay flexible. And so like, I feel like it's going to be a a couple, three, four year deals maybe, but
0: uh... that's why I think like Simeon and and Marte are at that age where a a four year deal, they'll probably be accepting of it. You know, um, uh, especially Marte, he's 32, but he hasn't lost his legs. And it's interesting. A lot of buzz has been kind of generated around him lately. So um, yeah, know, I, th- I was watching MLB network this morning and uh, Rosenthal and uh, Dan O'Dowd, they were intimating and maybe they're getting some word that they think the tigers are going to spend some money this winter.
2: Well, I, I, that would certainly be welcome. It would uh, give us something to talk about, give us something to write about and give us something to watch, which is always fun.
1: <laughs> so, Yeah. And again, they're really competitive and this weekend put up there in Cincinnati for they start the series tomorrow, uh three game set before they head out to Pittsburgh uh for Labor Day, and then they come back home for one of the hottest teams in the American League, Tampa Bay, which I'll be definitely going to those those games next weekend. But uh nice. Yeah, so Chris, uh, you should be yeah. along watch the race because that's gonna be it's gonna be some good baseball. But I'll be going Saturday, the first time Great American ballpark will be my first time out today. I have a buddy of mine who's from the area and I would love you know what I would love to do is do like the, the Saturday in Cincinnati and then go out to Pittsburgh on Monday for the 135 Labor game, Labor Day that'd be game. Sweet. But that's that's a lot of driving. But I don't know, that'd be kind of sweet. I've never been to Pittsburgh and I've heard none of the good things about it. So we'll see. But uh either way, um the oh that's a you know that's a one last yeah. I don't think we will, Nico. I don't know about that, but Anyway,
2: no, um, no, I don't think so. I think he's he's due for a raise. They've got other guys who can play all over now. I, like I said, I've been saying I think that they've been grooming Zach Short for kind of that position. <laughs> yeah. He's probably going to have to hit better than 140. But um, I, I, I get the sense that actually A.J. Hinch likes Zach Short and that they're going to try to really work with him in the offseason to get... Cut down the loft in his swing because mm-hmm. he's got surprising power, but he hits way too many pop ups. I think his average uh, uh, whatever um, launch angle is like above twenty degrees or close to twenty degrees, which is just too high for a guy like that.
1: Yeah, I mean he's a good candidate for
2: Arizona fall ball too as well. And it's in, you know if you're if you're talking about adding money in the offseason, that's that's a way to save like three million dollars. But every little bit uh, might help them, you know, sign other guys.
1: Yep. All right, so thanks very much for listening to the Tigers podcast. If you're listening, and then of course on YouTube if you're watching, thanks to Walter and Michael who participated quite a bit here. And uh, again, it's awesome. We love we love live comments, live feedback, and we got some I think on Facebook too as well. So everybody, thank you so much. We appreciate. It. We'll be back probably. We'll be back next week. I think the the Sunday show will be kind of right now. Just the way things are with the minor leagues. Wrapping up, we might do a Sunday show depending on what we see on Friday and Saturday. But uh, yeah, thanks again for everybody checking us out. We'll be back and again, leave us a comment, leave us some feedback, and yes, go Tigers absolutely. And go to iTunes, leave us five star review, or if you think we're not five star review material, you want to give us a four star be hater, that's cool too. But uh, <laughs> as Bonnie Jones would say, but uh, until then, we'll see you next time. <laughs>